Hi there viewers and listeners, this is Paul from 118. I just wanted to explain the poor audio quality on this. And Justin and I went for a little weekend away. We took the, the wives with us as well. And uh, I took all my recording equipment with me. And it was kind of untested. And we did a few trial runs beforehand, but we felt that it was okay. But as it turns out, in actual fact, Samir's audio is a lot louder than ours. Um, it's still audible it's not that bad so i did decide to edit this and release it obviously as you're watching it um but it's not the best uh so sorry about that that's it really just wanted to explain that because well just feels a bit amateur really just a little bit disappointed but we'll see what we can do in editing all right so having said that <laughs> i hope you enjoy the movie review of a fistful of dollars and we'll see you again soon. Bye. Well, hello, viewers. Welcome to 118. As you can see, it's a bit of a different setup this week. Justin and I are in the same room with multiple camera angles. That's if we end up using it or not. Samir's with us as well. He's still at uh, still at home. Hi but guys, we're going to be talking. We're going to be talking about a fistful of dollars tonight. 1964 movie is 64 it says 64 on IMDb but apparently Clint Eastwood didn't do something until 67 with the audio so a bit confused on the release year a bit strange but um right synopsis um I'll make these up on the fly this drifter comes into a village which is on the Mexican American border I think it's more Mexico side that he, he ends up on um he runs into a whole heap of shit there's two different rival gangs trying to take over control of the of the whole town. Um, and he just puts himself right in the middle of it and ends up earning money out of it. So he's a bit of a devious bastard. But, uh, yeah, pretty good fun to watch. Cast. Yes, cast. This ad-libbing-it stuff is, um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a challenge. Right, so we've got... Clint Eastwood, who plays Joe, also known as the man with no name. I don't know why, because he clearly has his, got a name. His name's Joe. Yeah, he's clearly called Joe. Yeah. Um, Gian Maria Volante, who plays uh, Roman Rojo, he's one of the head guys of the Rojo family. Marianne Koch, who plays Marisol, who's a bit of a hostage in this movie, it turns out. We can get into that later. Wolfgang Luxki, I think that's how you pronounce that, I'm not sure. He plays John Baxter, who's the head of the other gang that uh, we get involved with in this movie. As Sighard Rupp, Esteban Rojo, Rojo he plays, who's the brother of uh, Ramon Rojo. Joseph Egger, he plays Papiro. Is that the guy that runs the canteen in this? I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, it was the old boy yeah. got, got yeah. been up. I think yeah. so, yeah. yeah. yeah it, was, it, it, was, it was Chuckles, the other brother. Oh, that, that's um, Sig Harbour Up. Is he? Yeah, he played Esteban. Esteban Rowe, yeah. yeah. Mr. Chuckles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Well, that's, yeah, that's my little intro. So um, that's the synopsis of the character cast. It's the six core characters that I've read out there. Um, so, yeah, you picked this movie. Yes. So yes. have you got some decent facts, mate? Uh, yes, uh, very, some very interesting facts. Uh, I'm going to come to the fact that you've just mentioned where you're confused with the release first. Uh, 
because it did re- it was released in 64 um and it was the highest grossing movie in um italy at the time at four million dollars uh the first release they had some sort of issues with the release in the North American uh, sort of um, market. So they released it in 67. That's why they re-dubbed uh, some of the movie, etc., with Eastwood. So that was the reason why there's two dates for it. And um, it made the first time, uh, it did not make that much money. So they had to re-release it a few years later. And it ended up making $14 million in North America, which ended up making Eastwood a megastar or superstar. Oh, yeah, he was, um, he was acting in that TV series Rawhide, wasn't he? He was like a, a co... I don't think he was the lead actor, was he? He was like a, another, another member of the cast. That's right, um, he was like second or third co-star or something like that. Uh, no, yeah, was, uh, that's like... Uh, Jody Yates or Joey Yates or something in Rawhide. That was, in, that was back in the 50s as well, so... Yeah, because that's the interesting fact on that. The, um, the shoes, the boots he was wearing, in a fistful of dollars, were the same ones that he wore in... Rawhide, whatever you just mentioned. Rawhide. They're the same boots. Yes, that's right, yeah. Um, So basically, uh, coming to his clothing, um, the fact is he actually uh, got this part and he went shopping down uh, Broadway in LA, brought his jeans there, brought his uh, shirts, and then he went to a tobacconist and he goes, I want the worst cigars you can ever, ever give me. That tastes horrible. And that's why he's got a screwed up expression because Eastwood in real life has never smoked and he's not a drinker as well. He does drink because he's a, one of these guys who was a, very much a fitness uh, person where he'll do 10 or 20 miles a day, runs, weights, etc. So he used that to his advantage and they reached Spain and that's when they got the the famous Pentro, whatever you call them. Um, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, that was a director's or one of the assistant director's idea. And his hair, he got a scruffy hair as well uh, with bullet holes in them. And that's, you know, he basically, essentially, he created that crea- uh, character with the clothing. He chose all that. Uh, so everyone everyone up to this point uh, have always said, I must have been the director who came out with that character, etc. But it was actually him who said, no, I'll, I'll, I'll choose a clothing and he basically made it so famous that everyone, every time you talk about the man with no name, that is, Pencho is the first thing they basically um, talk about. Uh, so he made it into an iconic uh, character. Uh, another thing is he, he was only paid $15,000 for the movie uh, because he wasn't a big star. Um, I'm going to mention only one or two uh, people because there's quite a lot of a big list who were asked before him. But the, the audience will know James Coburn and Charles Bronson. Both of them were already bigger uh, film stars than Eastwood, but they weren't mega stars at that time. I think James Coburn was getting there more than Charles Bronson. And both of them said, nah, we're not going to do this. A very unknown actor called Richard uh, Richardson basically had done spaghetti westerns and he was the first choice so because they couldn't get any mega stars says, why don't you do it and he goes no no no, i don't want to do this because i've had such a bad experience in italy and uh the european studio uh, system so he goes i've got this young guy i know uh, he does a tv show called rawhide uh, or or i just finished it and he's pretty uh, smart um he's looking for work 
and central. And he goes, uh, Clint Eastwood. So that's how he was actually chosen. He goes, uh, this guy recommended him. And Eastwood goes, mm, do I really want to go? And he goes, yeah, you get $15,000 for this. So he ended up going to Italy. And it became a sort of very much a legendary partnership after that for the next uh, for three movies for the trilogy between Sergio Leon, Leone and Eastwood, Clint Eastwood. But the diff- funny thing was, Eastwood couldn't speak Italian and Sergio Leone couldn't speak English. So they had a stuntman or uh, one uh, member of the crew who could speak English up to a pretty good standard. And uh, basically, um, yeah, uh, he uh, translated everything they needed to do uh, during the movie. So that was the, the amazing thing that what happened. Uh, can you imagine that happening now if you go to work and one person couldn't speak English and you couldn't speak German or Italian? That would not never happen in the modern world. But they managed to uh, produce such a great movie from it. But also, later on, uh, Leone got uh, sued by a Japanese director called Akuya Kumosawa. He did the Yojo Mibo movie in 1960. Yeah, we were. Yeah. Reading about this beforehand, it was basically a rip off uh, of a Japanese movie, and he yeah. got sued by um, the Japanese director, and uh, they settled out of court. Uh, and both movies went on to become legendary movies, basically, because that was also a trilogy in Japanese about a um, samurai. That's right. Well. Yeah, I think I've, I think I've actually got your Jimbo. I think I've actually got that. It's a great movie, actually. It's really good. I mean, uh, it's good when you have got subtitles on it. I mean, without that, I can understand a bit of it. But obviously, I'm not Japanese. Um, <laughs> goes without saying, yeah. yeah. Really? Wouldn't have guessed me. No, it's like James Bond, isn't it? And you only live twice. Once you do a little bit of makeup, that's it. I'll be, uh, I will look like Spock more than Japanese, like Tom Henry did. But that's not the, sorry, the point. <laughs> I don't know if you guys not knew this, but uh, Eastwood was born uh, Southpaw, so he was a lefty. Uh, so um, he used to shoot with his left hand, but like that generation, they were told basically um, you have to uh, learn how to uh, play sports and write with your right hand. Because apparently if you uh, use your left hand, um, there was something to do with intelligence, you weren't that intelligent or something like that. Uh, that yeah, was an education, yeah. education system at the time. And uh, I remember yeah. that up to the 80s, it was like that. But he learned how to shoot with both hands. That's why if you saw the scene where he's get be- he got beaten up, his shooting hand gets crushed, and he learns how to shoot with his uh, uh, other hand. But the good thing is he could already do that. Uh, uh, but the, the, the other funny fact was the film was actually uh, filmed in Spanish, English, and Italian. And in certain bits, you can tell when Eastwood is talking to the bad guys or the other guys, and he can tell that, okay, he's speaking a completely different language and Eastwood is actually speaking in English to him. And it, it just makes me wonder, although it made $4 million in Italy, I'm sure it lost quite a bit of its uh, lust and the point that the movie was making, basically. Um, of what Eastwood was saying in English, because obviously, I can say hello in English, but in Italian, hello could uh, be about five sentences for argument's sake. 
So they they had to change it for different markets, and I think it stretched out uh, the movie slightly longer as well because of that. So the last fact was basically it was a movie telling the truth about um, how the West was really one. It's not about red Indians versus uh, 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 cowboys. It's about individual people going there, doing things like that, and then settling further into going to West of America. And discovering new places, and it was basically about bounty hunters um, making a living. And now I remember what that final fact was. Go on. The man with no name. You said his name was Joe. Joe wasn't his name. Joe was given by the Undertaker. Because if you uh, watch the next movie, they call him Blanco at the start, but they never confirm what is his real name. So that's why it was called the man with no name. They don't really confirm what his name is. Oh, I see. Okay, so the man with no name is taking all of the movies into context rather than just one single movie. Yes, that's right, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, I'm curious that's some, that's some useful stuff, some interesting stuff. Justin, have you got any continuity stuff? <laughs> I know you've got some continuity stuff because we've been in the same room. So, yes, I think in terms of um, things to mention, so I think you mentioned, Smith, this is this is a trilogy. So um, a fistful of dollars, uh, a few dollars more, and the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yes. Um, now, the reason why there is a lot of continuity in the film, but only if you're quite a fan of these films and you've watched all three of the films, um, because actually the order in which... You watch them, which is a fistful of dollars, a few dollars more, and then the good, the bad, the ugly, wasn't actually the intended order of the films. So, the, for example, uh, the gun should be the bullet holes in the hat. Um, the, bullet, the bullet holes in the, in the hat uh, appear in a film uh, a few dollars more. Yes, that's right, yes. Yeah, so the, the, so the hat was shot a few dollars more, but of course he's wearing it in the first one, that we think is the first one, in a fistful of dollars, you know? Yes. So yes. hence why um, there's that continuity. But you'd only know that if you knew the rest of the films, yes. so, etc. What is the intended order? Well, they don't, well, there isn't really. When you look online, um, they say the good, the bad, the ugly should be the first one. It's actually in reverse. Right. It's like Star Wars, so, basically. But there's no official order, because that's not how we wanted it. Doesn't the good, the bad, and the ugly have the same character in it from the first? No, no from the, it's, it's, it's the, the same. Actor. It's got the same actor in the first two as a bad guy, and uh, the good guy in the uh, second one is a bad guy. One of the bad guys in the yeah, good uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but the they look characters. similar. But he is a different actor completely. Yeah. Yes. So to answer, answer your question on that, I'll, I'll read this out because it'll make more sense. I'll read it out. So the good, the bad, and the ugly would take place first. Uh, as grave markers are seen marked 1864, and the Civil War, which is still active during the film's events, ended in 1865, thus placing the film in either of these years. Additionally, the man with no name is seen acquiring his attire in this film at, that he wears in the previous two films. So, again, it's not continuity, only if you knew and understand three films and understands behind it. So, the two, the two factors that set for a few dollars more before a fistful of dollars is that the man with the no names hat is shot several times creating holes in it that are visible in the latter film yes. and the gravestone seen during the cemetery shootout is marked 1873. Yes. 
So yeah. it's not like I mean there are there are a few shadows of boom mics and, and shadows of cameras, but actually generally in terms of the filming, it was very good. Um, but because it was silently filmed um, they, and it wasn't released immediately, they had quite a lot of time to go through it. And also, when you're dubbing over voices, because you're having to get the lip sync right, you're actually able to just spot. Well, well you've got a really scrutinised. Yeah, yeah, you just you'll yeah. just see it and you think, oh, hang on, there's there's a there's a boom right there. We better take that out. I think probably, I, I think the biggest one I want to pick up on that annoyed me the most was yeah. the um, was the gun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm afraid that was just laughable. So you know the the that was just a, yeah the yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was and and uh, whether they didn't want any blood um, because as we were saying there were a couple of parts where his where his hand was stood on and he was twisting it was taken out of the original, yeah. like we had in the Dawn of the Dead. The, sort of, the sensors in this country, yeah. I think, cut out a few bits in this Yeah, movie. so that was a bit like watching this, an episode of the A-Team, where the goes and they sort of fall off the building. Uh, yeah. um, and it was a bit like that, so there was no bullet holes, there was no blood, but when the gun fell down, I went shooting, that gun actually wasn't around in that time. Um, so that was the first thing. But also, he's randomly shooting this thing, and not one horse is hit. No, not one. Was, yeah. You know, I mean, it's accurately snipering every one of them off the back of the horse. Uh, and actually, only at the end, when it's all settled, you do see two or three horses lying down. Um, but you don't see them getting shot. They're all, they're all running off. So that was that was a poorly, poorly done that's, scene. That's so when they are basically yeah. animal rights. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, I mean, you know, I mean, they, obviously at the end of the film, it's like, you know, no, you know, no harming of any animals during, the, during this film. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, no harming that's animals. very true. Um, what, what, was it? And, was and, it like that in the sixties? I thought you know you didn't matter in the sixties. No, no. <laughs> but there's there's stupid things. There's stupid things when they're doing the, the hostage exchange with the with the wench, as I called her. Um, if you look behind her, you can see that it's a partially built set. You can see through the window the mountains of the desert behind. Um, <laughs> Spot that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's, yeah. Somebody obviously just completely missed that. Um, and the. Uh, what was the what was the bit in it? We were just like, what the what the fuck is that all about? Oh, oh the, all the, yeah, the, the, at the end, they're, they're shooting all the all the Baxters, and it's like that's it, yeah. And there's like thirty four of them in the end. <laughs> thirty four of these guys are coming out this building. Yeah. You know, it's like where did that lot come from? Yeah, once again, it's a big, 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 big house. Yeah, big house. Why would you run out the front? It was a bit like um, White House Town. <laughs> you know, a more modern film. You know, where they sort of they hear gunfire at the front, and they're all just running out the front door. It's like, well, what's going on? And they're just getting mowed down as they're coming out. It's like, yeah. why are you running straight out? You know, do you want to go? What's going on? What's and, going on? It as we've just learned, though, there's no back to these buildings. No, no, no it's the circular stuff. So you got shot, like you crawl off and get around. Yeah. back route. Yeah, you, what you're saying about the cocking sort of attitude, the, the arrogance, the confidence that comes from the fact that he believes he's better than everybody on, on you know, the aim the and the draw. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what I liked about this film, actually, is that he's he's operating at a higher level than everyone else. Yeah, he's he's, just, he's better. It's just like, I've fucking done all this before, yeah. mate. Yeah, you're yeah. a prick, I know you. Yeah, you, you do that, you talk all this shit and what. And then... Um, Ends up stitching all up. It's great. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. And that's why I quite like this movie. Actually, I thought Clint Eastwood himself, though, yeah, he just has a presence on camera, doesn't he? He just holds it together, and you just want to watch what he does next. Yeah. 
Yeah, my nan used to have a real thing for him. Clint Eastwood as well. It was like my nan's crush. Yeah, you can understand why, because he's got that rugged look, hasn't he? He's got that rough, yeah. tough, and he's got that, uh, let's be honest, that classical, uh, I think, uh, California look. I'm not sure if he was from California, but he was a pretty boy. But the beard was. Like Burt Reynolds. So, you know, sort of, um, Bertie Bird Reynolds. There's another time he was saying Cannibal, he was like, you know, he was like a ladies' man. Yeah. He sort of had that sort of shouldn't say quoi. Yeah, I've always thought Burr Reynolds was a bit more like the American Roger Moore. Yeah, he was well, a bit smarmy. smarmy. Yeah. A bit smarmy and a bit... Yeah. Whereas Clint Eastwood's just like a man's man, isn't he? Yeah. It's like, take it or leave it. Do you want yeah. it or not? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sort of a bit like, um, like, like a David Hasselhoff-looking type of bloke. He's just not bad. Yeah. Yeah. He's just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You compared Eastwood to Hasselhoff? I don't think so. Similar look, isn't it? Similar look, similar cocky sort of. Well, to me, David Hasselhoff would be more like uh, in between um, Burt Reynolds and someone else. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. I'll just no, up. the reason why I'm not saying it, I might get trouble what I else. think, but. Uh, <laughs> If I say it, they might think that oh, he's been a little bit uh, sexist or racist or whatever they say, because to me, I can't be very frank, I think um, David Hesselhoff was more, much more fe feminine than Eastwood was. So was Burt Reynolds. Eastwood was like that rough and tough guy. It's like Sean Connery, where you knew you muck around with this guy, either he's going to live or you're going to live. There's no, no, no other choice except to fight him. And no yeah, right, yeah. time you're going to lose. Yeah, yeah that's what it was. I suppose I would, yeah, I mean, I would consider that as sort of being a man's man, really. Mm. That is just that kind of attitude, just like, just whatever, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, if, if she's interested, great. If he's got the ump, so what? Mm. Yeah. That kind of attitude is just like, I can handle it, whatever. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like this movie. I, I can't remember how long ago it was I saw it. Probably, you know, maybe, um, maybe, this afternoon. Well, there was that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it a week before that yeah. as well. And I saw it ten years before that, I think it was. But the whole Western genre, the whole Western lifestyle, I think, that really appeals to me. I said to you two privately mm. that that to me is like the essence of freedom. Walk around with as many guns as you like, just travel from town to town, cause a shit. If you get caught, you get caught. If not, mm. it's all fair. It just seems fucking brilliant to me. Yeah. It's, like, it's probably sort of like obvious corruption. Yeah, you know where you stand with yeah. it. So what, do you, what would you, um, if you, this is your choice on this one, Samir, what would you give this one? What would we do scores? Yeah, should we do scores? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I have to say, it's one of my favourite movies. I was basically brought up in these sort of movies, and uh, uh, I used to watch them virtually every day during the summer holidays in the 80s, when I was t too young. Every <laughs> day? <laughs> yeah, I'm not joking. I used, to I used to watch them like three or four times a week. I used to love them. I would watch all four of them, and then I would play the music and pretend I would make myself a, a portrait out of my towel and stuff, all that shit, and pretend I and I had my pellet gun and whatever, and then pretend to be Eastwood, stuff like that. So to me, it brought back loads of memories, and not only that. I've, I've loved uh, the Spaghetti Western, as they call it, and I'm going to give it about eight, 8 out of 10, because no movie out there can deserve a 10 out of 10. It's 8 out of 10. There's loads of different mistakes that you could tell it's studios and stuff like that, but it was the actual essence and the feel of the movie, and you knew that they got that right, 
the next two movies were going to be brilliant and they did become really good and made one of my favourite actors of that era into a mega star, Eastwood. And then he goes on to the Dirty Harry, which I used to watch myself again virtually every other day uh, during the summer holidays. In the, I'm talking about in the 80s, mate. Well, thank you for sharing your miserable childhood with us. That was your fault in India, mate. What would you give it, mate? What would you give? Um, I think I went with the... Okay, I think we went with seven on this. Did you? Yeah, because it's better than most of the recent Bond movies we've watched. I'd, I'd definitely go along with that. I think it's better acting. I, you know what I'd really also go along with that, even after being dubbed. Yeah, what mm. I really enjoyed about this movie the most out of all of it, really, is the sense of tension that it... Yeah. Everything's tense because everyone's eyeballing each other. You've got the close-up camera views. And oh, it's like flicking in, it's like... Yeah, and everyone's looking at each other and stuff, and everyone's just waiting. And then I was like... Yeah. It's a real tension, and I like movies that cause tension and anxiety. Yeah. I like to be stressed out when I'm watching movies. Yeah, I agree no, with you. No, it's good. You fucking made that you up. You did make that up. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so seven. Seven for me. Seven. Well, that's the first time you've seen it as well. It should state that. Yes. I, I, I've never been into pasta westerns. Um, or westerns. Pasta westerns. <laughs> 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 So I've never been into westerns, even Will Smith's Wild Wild West. I oh, thought was yeah, that's not bloody western no, anyway. No, no, I, I've never seen the appeal. I like. I've always understood the history and the timing and all the rest of it and blah blah blah. Um, but for me, I guess the whole western thing was really just people going around slaughtering Native Americans. That's all really. They did setting up these outposts, whatever things, and created what you know today as the Free America. So, and everyone was corrupt as fuck. Um, you know, everyone killed each other, got away with it. So, uh, it just it was never, it never really appealed to me. Sounds um, great. Yeah, well, yeah, like I said, rightly said, it's good utopia. So, I watched this film um, because I had to, uh, <laughs> and you know, it was fine. We watched it here in, in lovely Weymouth this weekend, and. You know, looking up things. So, but because it's not really my thing, it's not really my genre. Although I will say that it was it for '64, released '67. Uh, it was pretty good. Um, I will give it a five. Bloody hell, five! Yeah, oh, yeah. Mainly because it's not my thing, and I, I wouldn't go out of my way to watch it again. Well, I've got good news for you. We're going to watch more westerns in the future. Well, because we've done this one, and there is a trilogy to this, yeah, I, yes, I, 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 and if you guys wanted to do that, I would do uh, yeah, um, you, more yeah. dollars more or whatever, and good bad, and <laughs> I, 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 I would watch those, uh, because I'd be quite interested to see those continuity bits that they do talk about. Right, well, that wraps up our review, our talk about A Fistful of Dollars, so I guess in the future, we'll do some others, uh, yeah. that'd be pretty good. Um, right, well, yeah, follow us on social media, like the video if you liked it, dislike if you don't, put some comments in there, subscribe to the channel, etc. We'll be back the f next week. Um, are we back on Bond next week? Yes. Yeah, I think we are. Yeah. Yes. And we may have a guest. 
So there might be yes. there might be four of us on that one. We're, Very excited. Yeah, we're, we're trying to work something out. We're trying to make you know trying to work something to get somebody else involved who, who is a big Bond fan and who has their own Bond channel already. So, but we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Nothing set in stone yet. Um, all right. Well, yeah. It's uh, goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. <laughs> <laughs>